there. Welcome to Season 3 of the How to Make a Podcast podcast. My name is Casey Ruff from Boundless Body LLC, and I am the host of Boundless Body Radio. Join us this season as we chat with other successful podcasters to give you the best tips and tricks to create your own podcast that makes you proud to share with the world. Without further delay, enjoy today's episode. Finlay McLaren, host of the Chatting Fit podcast. How are you today? I am very well, Casey. Thank you so much for having me on again. You spent another Christmas in Mexico, even though you're from England. Is it weird to spend uh, a holiday that you know is more of like a winter holiday in a summer place? I tell you what, most of the time it's an absolute delight not to have to deal with the cold <laughs> and the wet and the misery. I mean, I think the thing that really carries you through an English winter, and I'm sure this is true in any Northern Hemisphere, is like the traditions of things like christmas and the holidays and easter and these other times when you get to spend time with the family and everything but other than that it's just pretty dark and miserable and cold so um out in mexico it's um i think we had i think we had 25 26 27 degrees on in celsius on um christmas day and i went to the beach so that's a real change of scene wow dude it's yeah. it's zero here and snowing sideways and it's really Beautiful. wet snow so it's the kind that like you can only shovel like about two or three inches before it feels like wet concrete oh, like yeah i'm really jealous <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm the jealous one man um yeah. man okay so i found your podcast through researching one of our guests and i was so glad to find your podcast your podcast is the one that i'd love to find because when you find it it you you binge all the episodes like all of them that you've done are interesting. I don't think I've missed an episode of your show. I really like it. I stay current. Mm. I don't have many podcasts that I keep on rotation that I always listen to. And yours is one. You've done a great job from the very beginning. So I'm very excited wow. to talk to you about your podcast. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and, and how that kind of led into podcasting. Cool. Cool. I appreciate you saying that, mate. That That's good. Because when I listen back to some of my episodes, I'm like we were saying earlier, I can't, I, it's it's hard to listen to some of them. Um, but wh who am I? What do I do? So I am a, a health coach, more of a strength coach, started as a personal trainer. I went away from personal training for a while. And then I came back into the industry, studied nutrition, I got my master's in nutrition. Um, and then I moved out to Mexico in the middle of the pandemic. And I reignited my personal training, my strength coaching, my health coaching, my nutrition coaching. And in that time as well, I started a podcast called Chatting Fit, where I interview a number of different experts, scientists, doctors, um, industry professionals, and prominent names around nutrition, fitness, and strength. And so that's me in a nutshell. That's great. I Okay, so this podcast is about podcasting, but there's always crossover with health and fitness and other things that we talk about on our main show and on your show, so I can't pass up the opportunity. When you went through your formal nutrition coaching certification, mm -hmm. you learned everything there was to know about nutrition. What do you now believe is not true that you learned through your nutrition coaching? Mm. I think a, a fair amount, really. I, th I think the main things are around the dangers of red meat. And it was always postulated and said that an increased amount of red meat consumption and meat consumption was damaging for the digestive tract and could ca cause cancers and everything in between. And, you know, th there was stuff in there about too much of a high protein diet would give you kidney stones and 
like di- different areas like this, which once you actually dig into the nuance of the stuff, um, turns out in my mind not to be true. But um, again, in, in this sort of formal education of nutrition, you're looking very much in the angle of a syllabus and the professor and the person teaching you is ticking boxes. And fair enough, like that's just how it is. That's how it's been laid out. And you're there to do But my my final year was what well, my year of master's was research based. So a lot of the 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 the, the uh, modules were around what research we found. And, and so it was very it was sort of around how well we were able to interpret literature. So a lot of it was just, we were left to our own device around what we were to find out. But it was often when you queried the professor who was telling you about how good grains are or how good, um, you know, seed oils are or omega-6s are for heart health and everything, then, you know, you sort of had to put your hand down and just sort of nod and go, okay, I, you know, I know what you want to hear here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was the main thing. That's the starkest one is that an animal based diet was really demonized there and and a plant based diet was put on this pedestal of ultimate health. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate sharing that. And I can never pass up an opportunity to share that message. And I do the same thing. You knew what I was going to say. Exactly. I totally did. (laughs) Every two years, I have to go back and take that test to recertify as a nutrition coach. I just have to keep it in the back of my mind, like answer the questions the way they want to hear them. So Mm. you can go on and continue with the piece of paper that says, you know, something about nutrition. And I was just reflecting on this um, not too long ago, The, the way the nutrition coaching was set up, we would make recommendations for people what they should eat how many meals they should eat, what, how to balance fruits and vegetables and, you know, the protein and grains and all that stuff. But the coaching was around behavior change when people mm. failed. Like it was already assuming that nobody was going to be able to do what we were recommending anyway. So then we would fall back on behavior change. Well, why didn't you eat until you were 80% full? Why, why mm. didn't you eat a rainbow of colors? Yeah. <laughs> and, and we, in like, indirectly kind of suggested that person was wrong or didn't have the right willpower determination when really yeah. nobody could follow the advice because it was bad advice. I, I, and I think that's the thing as well. And I think most people, most people know that they're doing something wrong when they're eating like two Mars bars or three Mars bars for breakfast, Like they don't need to be told that again. It's like, it's the small habitual changes that help them build the foundation. That's what the coach I think is there to help with is to help the the real basic level of behavior change. Like, okay, how do we get you to go to bed at 10 PM and leave your phone downstairs so that you sleep better? Like step one, basic foundation, get some better sleep. And that's what the coach is there to help with. You know, and they've only got an hour or so to do it, but most people know that they should get more sleep at night. Most people know that they shouldn't have more than like two cups of coffee a day. Otherwise they're going to blitz their adrenal glands. Like most people know they shouldn't have too much sugar. Most people know that like, like most people know this stuff, but it's the implementation and it's the psychology behind it that, that is lacking. But yeah, if you tell someone to eat loads of um, sunflower seed oil, to, for their heart health, then yeah, that's that's misguided. <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny. We just <laughs> took a trip not too long ago. Uh, my wife and I both eat the carnivore diet, so we really only eat meat. And this guy was concerned about his cholesterol, so he was eating plant-based. And he had t- tons of questions for us, which is fine. I think he was a little blown away that in like the five days we stayed there, we went through like six dozen eggs or something like absolutely ridiculous, <laughs> which is normal for us. And I got to see <laughs> firsthand what a day on plant-based looked like. It was healthy meals and snacks and yogurts and fruits and vegetables and and meals every two to three hours 
until mm. a binge every single night on chips and cookies and ice cream. And it's like, mm. you're, I, I understand you're trying so hard to follow this diet, but it's not possible. Why are you hungry at 8 p.m. two hours after dinner? Mm. It's because you didn't eat the right foods that could have made you satiated. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and how, how is he feeling day to day? Um, I mean, he was, he was fine, but, but yeah, it's just, it's different. You could see the extra weight that he wanted to take off and you could see mm-hmm. that his energy was not quite as steady. It was kind of up and down and, um, you know, he'd get a little bit more tired in the middle of the day, just things like that. It's just little things. It's, it's the kind yeah. of thing that when you understand the right information, you, it just kind of slips away and you forget about, mm-hmm. and you remember mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, like I used to feel that way. I used to need snacks every two hours. I used to need that granola bar. Like that yeah. makes sense. Of course yeah. you would crave chips. I remember craving chips. It's just kind of yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, sometimes like when I've gone super heavy on the carnivore diet, like and been really rigid, and it's only red meat and it's only eggs, and I'm not very good with dairy anyway. I'm not very good with cheese, and I'm not very good with milk and like raw milk and stuff. So that that immediately takes away a lot of like some of the stuff that I can have on carnivore. So immediately, I um, sometimes I will have some vegetables, like low carbohydrate vegetables, and I actually do feel better with them. Like, and that's, that's just me. That's just like, some people are better pure carnivore just because of, um, and also for autoimmune issues. Like they find that lots of autoimmune issues disappear when they just go meat. Um, and then some people who feel better with like, you know, a high plant diet. And, and although there's research out there, there's research out there in both directions. So I sometimes think like, who am I to say that one is definitely right over the other? But I think someone who's having issues with following a plant based diet and doesn't feel satiated and has to supplement it with like, you know, eating loads of cookies and stuff because their sugar's down and, and they, and they don't have any energy. Then yeah, there, there's an issue there. But, and I will, I will actually always say that I think meat is healthy for 99% of the people in the world. Like, but you know, I have to, I have to come to terms with like, sometimes I, I, do crave plants. I do crave vegetables, you know? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I like that caveat of how you say, mm. like, it, it really just kind of depends on how you feel. And if you feel like you're doing all the right things, and you still feel terrible. Well, then it's maybe time to question the advice. But if you feel good doing whatever you're doing, that's totally great. I know yeah. this is going to be an amazing discussion because <laughs> we just jive, man. It's so fun to like yeah. get into these discussions. And, and speaking on that, your podcast covers lots of different topics. You're very open-minded with who you invite on and the topics they discuss. I can tell you just trying to gather information mm-hmm. and you ask questions in a way that shows you know what you're talking about but you're also not you're not being rude to your guests um mm. which again I, I really appreciate so tell us a little bit about the premise of your show and what you were trying to do when you started it mm. so the, the premise of the show i never really tried to define too strictly from the outset and i think that was important for me because i was never you know, if I thought, oh, I'm just going to interview carnival people, then I think, well, but that's going to limit me, me in talking to vegans, you know, and, and if, I, if I'm just going to interview plant-based people, that's going to limit me talking to about meat. And I, and I love strength as well. And I want to talk to strength coaches and I want to talk. So the, the premise was always a sort of overall overarching fitness show, fitness and health show where we would talk to, where I would talk to experts, I would talk to, uh, you know, doctors and different professors from different places talking about anything revolving around health, fitness, nutrition, strength. So that was the general premise. And then it became, because it was starting out, you know, I'm on episode, I've released 31 episodes and I have, I probably have eight or so recorded ready to be released. So this is really very early for me in terms of my podcasting sort of 
time. So it was very much a case of who would come on the show at the start. You know, if I'm honest, it was like, I've just got to see who will take the time out of their day. And it was often it was people who I knew in the industry who would give me the time of day because many people, if you don't have a podcast, will... And you say, like, hey, can you come on my podcast? It's like, well, I can't see your podcast anywhere. What 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 evidence do you have that you're actually a podcast and not someone just trying to get a free hour of of consultation out of me? So that was the first barrier. So I started with, you know, people who I knew. I started with a few strength coaches. And then that's as that emerged and I'd met I'd met other people. And a lot of the time at the start of the show was taken with just understanding the technical stuff around it. Like, how do I set up lights? I didn't do video at the start. So the start was just audio. So it was like the first 10 episodes, I'd say, were really just learning how to use the kit. And then the next 10 episodes are learning, like having got the kit set up and everything, getting a bit better at the questioning. And then the next 10 episodes are really trying to refine that and hone that and like start to understand what the show is really trying to do. So that, I mean, that's where I'm at. It's a constant state of evolution. And it just so happens that I've, that I've gone down a rabbit hole at the moment of carnivore and of low carb. And, um, and that just seems to have been the natural development is not to try to pigeonhole it too much because again, we'll come on to this, but perfection is the, the enemy of growth in in this industry, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. You mentioned something really important, and I, I'm going to say there's no right or wrong here, but I think if you are thinking about starting a podcast, or even if you've already started one, when you're thinking about the topics that you want to talk about, you can choose how broad or narrow you want to go with your topics. And again, I don't think there's a right or wrong, but you should have well decided, is my podcast going to be like yours and ours, where we want it mm. to be very general, where we're talking to a lot of people? Or do you want to focus on one topic? And just understand, like, broadly, you can cover a lot of different things, but maybe the carnivore people who now associate your show with carnivore, if you do a few episodes with other topics, they might not be interested anymore and your downloads might drop off where the example I always give is if you go over to your neighbor Shauna's house and drink wine and talk about your crazy cats and you want to do a podcast about crazy cats, like, (laughs) there might be, you know, there will be people who listen to your show, but it might be a more narrow, you know, amount of people that really want to do that. And you shouldn't obviously expect to monetize something like that, but you can do it and just understand that you can be broad or narrow and understand the pros and cons of each. For sure. I think that's, that's a big point is that if you pigeonhole yourself too much, then you, you really lose a lot of flexibility on who can come onto your show and, and you then have to start really pandering to your, maybe not pandering to your listeners, but you know exactly what your listeners are there to hear. And that is exactly like you said, like I, I know I've, I've, a lot of people have started listening to the show because of that carnivore element. And I think that that's going to run through is that I'm, I'm often going to be quizzing people and talking from a low carb angle and a high protein angle and that meat is a good for our, you know, for our dietary system and our health system. But, you know, I, I, my, my main premise with a lot of the show and how we grow the show is around cross pollination. And you mentioned that before is around, it might be that only like I, I speak to a uh, a vegan doctor who comes on the show and like, let's say a hundred new people listen because just because they're listening for that doctor and then f- only five may stay and listen continually. So it's a 5% retention rate, but still if 
the growth of the show relies on there being enough ver- like uh, diversity around everything that I cross pollinate enough that there will be a 5% retention rate from everyone. And over time that grows and steam uh, snowballs and compounds. So that that's the main, and I use a lot of Instagram in order to, to, to cross pollinate, you know, getting collaborations on and that's one of the main, main elements, but yeah, I think it's difficult. You just have to hang your hat on something and say, look, you know, I'm I'm going to speak to a vegan this week and I'm going to speak to a carnival the next week. And that's just how it is. Like yeah. tr- trying to trying to get to, and even worrying too much about numbers of listeners, like things go up and down, things go up and down anyway. And like Christmas, Christmas day was a big drop off, like not many, but then boxing day was a big, a big boost. So like, you know, you, you you just got to do the footwork. The footwork is what there. If you interview people well and you ask good questions and you get good guests, then ultimately people are eventually going to find you. Yeah. Um, and that's what I hang on to anyway. Yeah. I love that. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Let's talk about some of that footwork and some of that evolution, but let's start with your hardware. You already mentioned the kit that you use to podcast. What, what things mm. were you originally exploring? What were some of your top priorities? What was, what are some of the key pieces of mm. hardware for your podcast? Key piece is 100% a good microphone, and that's the Yeti Blue. Um, so I have one of them. That's that's followed me around. That I actually got that from the outset. I think there was a deal on there, which is stupid. Like you shouldn't really invest. <laughs> I think I paid like a hundred dollars for the mic or 150, and uh, before I'd even recorded anything. I think I tried to record something on my phone, and I was like, I was reading about podcasts, and it said like the one thing you really need to do is have good audio quality. Like audio quality will turn people off more than video, bad video quality. Mm. So I thought, fuck it, I'll invest in a good microphone. So I've got the Yeti Blue. And then that was pretty much it. I have my laptop, which um, I record the Yeti Blue as a USB mic. So that plugs in through my laptop. And then, like I say, the first 10 episodes were just audio. So I used Zoom. At that time, Zoom weren't making you pay for record to be able to record. So I could record free through Zoom. And then, um, I then used, so that was very simple when it was just audio, it was very simple. So laptop and microphone, that was it. Laptop, microphone, zoom. Nice. And then, um, and then, I mean, I can talk about the software or, or any other hardware that I've built on top of now. No, that's great. Um, I appreciate yeah. that. I liked it that you concentrated on the one main thing that microphone and then just used you know, other resources that you really had at your disposal for the mm. rest of the stuff. And I would agree with you. I think the mic is really important. I think the other stuff is just minutia. If you have mm. the money and interest and want to tinker with stuff, like go ahead. But the the mic is the most important part. But yeah, let's talk about software. What other components of yeah. software besides Zoom are important to you? Well, well I'll, I'll, just one more thing on the hardware is that I that I had a I had a very limited amount of rooms that I could use when I first started. So I was always worried about echo and everything around that. And I I had these big panels that I put up behind me. And I think I worried too much about echo and too much about that stuff at the start. Like you can generally on these good microphones, you can turn down the amount of gain and the amount of sound that the microphone's picking up. And you can get echo cancellation on some of the software stuff. So I don't think that was much of an issue as I thought it was. I think the main thing was that I just started recording because most of it is around also your interview skill and your ability to use the tech in the first instance. So that stuff, you just got to get 10, 20, 30 episodes out of the way. I'm only on episode 31. So I think I'm just, <laughs> I'm just finding a groove now. But, um, and then in terms of software, I then, I, I, I looked to not spend much money. You know, I spent the money on the mic and then so I used 
Audacity, which is free um, for the actual uh, audio editing afterwards. And again, I spent too much time like editing out ums and ahs and editing out. And, and rather than, you know, we've talked about it before, about efficiency of just getting content out. And I'm still getting through efficiency to get content out. But that was the first thing is not worrying about too much about the ums and the ahs. And um, so Audacity I used for that. Zoom I used to record. Anchor. Anchor FM I used to distribute the podcast. Um, so that will – there's about 10 different podcasting apps that it goes on to. But all of that is done through little bits of adding the URL that you want it to go to through Anchor. And so you upload it once, you do the title once, you do the description once, and then that blasts it out to all of the podcasting apps. So that's that. And then since I've added video, I've then added, I bought a very cheap webcam. This is a 2K webcam. It looks from good. The, the brand. It's, it's pretty good, you know. It was like... 30 or 40 dollars wow so that's great so like it's yeah i mean it is fisheye though so like it's kind of bowed behind me you'll oh, see yeah. and like yeah. it, it picks up a lot of blue light it looks like i'm in some sort of weird uv shop <laughs> um <laughs> but but it's been you know 40 dollars for that was really good I, and i think the main thing is like having good ring lights so i've got two ring lights either side and that really helps the light well when, when the camera's not as good you need better lighting i've heard and these like these ring lights are like 20 dollars each so um and then good headphones these this is like i think these are 60 dollar headphones akg yeah nice just yeah, get them good. on Am- got them on amazon and then um and because i'm in mexico this room is super echoey so i live in like a it's like a big one bedroom um all open plan there's like an upstairs and but it's all like wood and metal so i got myself a little um like audio shield cool for the microphone yeah which seems to make a little bit of a difference but um you know all all just little cheap things i think a lot of people see the big podcasts and they want to set up like a full studio which obviously is the you know great gold standard but like you can do a lot with very small amount yeah No, I agree. I think you can focus on some of those things if you want, but I have to tell you, like people have great podcasts and they run them on their Mm. phone using cheap Apple headphones that are wired. And it sounds, I would say like 90% what a professional studio would sound like. Like, I think you're right. I think you can get caught up too much in minutia. And I think it's a way for people to get bogged down with that kind of thing and, and avoid starting as the most Mm. important thing. That was kind of something I was trying to get everything like perfected and all the right equipment and all that stuff. And it's, I look back and think, I I wish I would have started sooner and gotten more experience versus trying to get everything perfect from the very beginning and realize, like you said, like this is an evolution. I, I think that's the proper way to look at that yeah 100 i mean you're just on your you just do this all through your phone anyway as well don't you I so mean, this re- is yeah i'm recording on my phone um i found it was more convenient um you I, i'm sitting in front of my cycle clothes which is you know just here <laughs> on the floor of a carpeted surface and it, it that is kind of a soft surface um but yeah we we mess things up all the time but it, i feel like mm. our our sound is passable for what yeah. we're trying to do and we're getting a good uh, message out so i mean yeah i actually recorded a podcast so i have like I have a, there's a microphone on the camera that I'm using. There's a microphone on the laptop I'm using. And there's obviously my, my, my plug-in microphone. 
And I recorded a whole podcast with it pulling through the audio on the wrong mic. Oh, no. So it sounded like a garbled guy under the ocean. And these these two guys are coming through. It was a three-way podcast as well. So I fucked up to two different people. Oh, no. And, you know, they're coming through loud and clear, perfect. And every time I'm asking a question, I'm garbled. But and, and after the podcast, I said, guys, why didn't you say that my audio was, was ridiculous? And they said, yeah, it did sound a bit shit. Uh, <laughs> like, oh. That's great. But, you know, we, we recorded it again and, uh, you know, they didn't really give a shit. But yeah, cool. fucking hell, just check your check your kit is just yes. pulling through the right thing. And if it's through your phone, then perfect because yep. it's less to fuck up. Yeah, totally. That's a really <laughs> good point. We had a little bit of an issue with audio on my end before this, this interview. And you were flexible on time and it only cost us one or two minutes but yeah that could have been a really bad thing and i always mm. sound check before i start my zoom and today i was just in a little bit more of a rush and i didn't and something went wrong where it normally doesn't go yeah. wrong and yeah that could fuck up an interview with a big name person that you worked really hard and waited a long yeah. time to schedule that could be a game ender right there yeah. so really I mean, important I mean, to check but most most people i think are really i don't know could because you know, no one's getting paid in this game. No one's paying for, well, I guess some people are paying other people to come on podcasts, aren't they? But, you know, at this, at, at this level, it's like, I'm not paying anyone to come on the podcast. I, they're not paying me for coverage. So it's kind of like, there, there wasn't, because it's happened to me before where I've had the sound pulling through on the microphone and it's giving me an echo and I haven't been able to get rid of it. Like at that time, like I've, I've turned it off. I've cleared the catch. I've done loads of stuff. To, and every time I plugged back in and gone back on Zoom, it's just kept coming back. So then that was with, um, the sober bodybuilder. Um, what's his name again? I can't remember. I can't remember his name now, but like his, his handle is, is the sober bodybuilder. And he was really cool about it. He was like, look, let's just reschedule. And we rescheduled for like a week later. But that was a really big name for me at the time. Yeah. You know, he had 50,000 Instagram followers. And I was like, in my head, I was like, fuck, I've really fucked up. This guy is such a, you know, he's never, I'm a fucking amateur. Like, <laughs> you know, all of this stuff, which I am. It's good. <laughs> you, know, you know, but like all of that stuff comes into your head. And it's like, how fast do you recover from that? How much do you just say, look, this shit happens, yeah. like, and then keep going after names who you think are interesting? Yeah, I agree. And and you're right. My experience personally has been that if you're reaching out for somebody, I think most of us as hosts really, we we have a story to tell and we definitely want to capture that in our guests. But I don't really even think about like my episode with you where I hosted you. I don't think of that as my episode. I think of that as your episode mm. and I'm going to work mm. really hard to do my homework and study and, and know how to keep things kind of in your wheelhouse and really promote you. So I, yeah. I feel like when I'm reaching out to somebody it is because I want to promote them. I want them to get their mm. programs out. We're not trying to sell our own programs or whatever. Like we want to, we want to get the person's message out. And I always say like, I want to, I want to help you make something that you would be proud to share with your friends and family, because in the end that does benefit us and gets more listeners to yeah. us. Part of that is, I, is, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think that that's, that's always, that's been an area that I've sometimes struggled with because getting enough research to really understand what the core of the person's like wheelhouse is. Cause a lot of people in strength, we talk about nutrition as well. And a lot of people in nutrition, will talk about lots of different areas of nutrition. And, you know, you have nutrition scientists who have lots of different areas in their wheelhouse. So like getting to the core of what really makes them tick is like, sometimes I struggle to get enough research on that to really like hone in on the areas and not go down too many rabbit holes because I was talking about it with my brother the other day who doesn't do any podcasting or any of this stuff. And, and I was saying, look, it's very easy. Once you speak to someone for the first time, 
to slip into that natural social aspect of talking where you want to agree with each other because you want, you know, that's the natural social yeah. kind of lubricant is like agreeing with each other and then going down rabbit holes about, oh, you know, we're in this social media age, so no one's got patience and like, and talking about generalized stuff. Whereas that's not necessarily interesting for the listener. That's like, that's just a conversation. Yeah. And like the, the things that's really interesting is information dense, opinion based conversations and that's what i'm really trying to get to the core of now is like how do i challenge people enough without it being combative like how do i get to the core of what are good stories like when this is probably going to be the first time that you've spoken to someone you know a little bit of pre preamble before yeah. and then you know and and not have in your mind so i'm going on a rant here not have in your mind a rigid format of how you want the conversation to go based on how you've heard them in another podcast, because it's very easy to recreate a, or try and recreate a conversation that you think sounded good, but it sounds like robotic. Yeah. So th that's what I'm struggling. Well, that's what I'm trying to overcome as a podcaster is how to get real organic information, dense, interesting conversations having only spoken to someone once yeah interesting well I, I would recommend the listener go back listen to chatting fit and i would make sure you check out episodes nine and i, I believe it wasn't correct me if i'm wrong episodes nine and episodes 31 was your most recent where yeah. you had those situations where people were i, I wouldn't say being that did not confrontational at all but but you know had different information than you know, mm. maybe that you weren't agreeing with. And and again, for the listener, go back and listen to those two episodes specifically, because I think, I think you do an amazing job of, of writing right, that right. line. And I think most people could learn from that. So I really appreciate mm. that you handle it that way. I, I don't, I don't like it when a podcast mm. starts to feel like Twitter and it's feeling a little com confrontational yeah. and you're right. There is something to the face to face that I, yeah. I think does avoid that a lot better. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know that the ones you're referring to, that's, that's with Danielle Arsenault, the, the vegan and, uh, Dr. Kilt, Dr. Robert Kilt, who's like super avid carnivore. And, you know, the ironic thing is how these different mediums and forms all have their different benefits in terms of what people are looking for and how they go viral or, or people's attention get caught because the reels that I have on Instagram, the ones that are most that are most viewed and most viral are the ones that do have either confrontation or disagreement. <laughs> like, like I've got a, there's a reel with Dr. Anthony Trafee and he's talking about how much he it, it, disagreeing with Paul Saladino around the fruit and the fructose argument. And Dr. Anthony Chafee is saying that he doesn't believe that, um, people should have too much fruit in the diet because he thinks sugar is sugar is sugar, you know, and Paul Saladino is obviously big on the, in the matrix of fruit, then fructose is okay because of everything else that's there, blah, blah, blah. But you know, that got over a hundred K views. Wow. And, and so like, but then some of the other stuff that's just around like information dense and like, you know, Dr. Robert Kills talking about glycation, like gets like 5,000 views. So like, there's stuff on Instagram. It's the, it's the conflict that sells on Instagram. Whereas long form content, long form podcasting is more about balanced reason viewpoints. And that's why people like, that's an unfortunate thing about social media is that like conflict is what drives attention there. One of the things that drives attention, you know, like, and it, conflict and disagreement. 
that just seems to be what people are, are, are drawn to. And then from there, then they think, oh, I'm going to listen to the full episode and see what this is about. That's kind of how I'm structuring the you know, marketing. Yeah. So, you know, and that's like, that's where I see all these big news companies. They want to sell the conflict. They want to sell the fear. They want to sell the anger. And that's just, it just is a way that attention is working now. That is very interesting. And I, I, I wish I was so much better at marketing and social media. I, I homogenize all of them. So I treat Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn all the, all the same. And they're not the same. They're different audiences. And I wish I understood that better and could get the right content to the right place to get more followers. Mm. Because you're right. Like, that, that does sell. And it's important to understand human psychology and how that works so that you can leverage it and use it to your advantage. Mm. It doesn't mean you're also trying to sell fear. You're just understanding what people are looking for and getting people interested in your show. I, I think yeah. that's really wise. Well, yeah, I, th- that's the thing. It's like sometimes you put up a reel that, you know, it's, I mean, I put up a reel recently that is talking about that, um, you know, humans ate, were forced to eat plants to domesticate them. And in a soundbite structure, like that's pretty, you know, what the fuck, you know, who's, who's forcing humans to eat plants to domesticate them? Who do you mean by they? Blah, blah, blah. So it's an extract, which is there and plain to hear in the podcast, but it, it's, it's, there's context there that you only get from yeah. listening to the full podcast. So like, it's just part of Instagram. You know, there's loads of stuff that's, that, that's there as, as a, um, as a beacon for the show and like a taster of what people might be able to hear. But, you know, these are just, these are different viewpoints that are clashing and they clash because, you know, it's going outside of people's comfort zones and yeah, they're going to be outraged by some of this stuff, but that's half the point is getting more, more dialogue to people where they can hear different viewpoints. Yeah, very interesting. So so my hosting site, Buzzsprout, allows me to make what are called visual sound bites. They can be shaped in different ways. So there's three different shapes you can choose from. One is a square for Facebook and Twitter. One is kind of wider for your website. It looks good on YouTube. And the other one is for Instagram stories. And I can choose a sound bite from my conversation that's anywhere between 15 seconds and 60 seconds long. So we've been talking a little bit about efficiency. One thing that I will be doing is I will be jotting things down during our conversation. So if I need to make any edits, I Mm. note the time and timestamp it right there. I'm not... I, I don't go back and listen to the episode again until it releases. I only go and edit those spots. So that's one thing that I yeah. timestamp. The other thing I timestamp is where I might take my visual soundbite from. So if you say something particularly awesome, I might just reach down and record the time so I can go back and find the time. And then it allows yeah. me to do a clip that's anywhere from 15 seconds to 60 seconds, somewhere in mm. that frame. And so, so they're not automate. They're not automated on Buzzsprout. It doesn't give you like, these are the 10 sound bites we've chosen. And then you go through and choose out of those. Or it, you have to still go through all the audio. You, and choose. You have to go through all the audio and choose, which again, that's where time stamping helps. It allows you to, first of all, set your starting time. And then it, it allows you to choose like any, again, in half second increments from 15 to 60 seconds, you can choose in there. So the editing of that is kind of tough. Like you have to be yeah. like kind of Johnny on the spot and exactly where so you, you can't do, you can't do, you can't do like 18 seconds or it has to be those 
No, no, no. You can do spent. 18 seconds. You can do 18 okay. and a half seconds. You can do 19 mm. seconds. Anywhere in between is totally fine. And it allows yeah. you to, to speed up the efficiency. It allows you to you pick your starting time. You can play the first five seconds of the clip and then the last five seconds of the clip. So you don't have to listen to the clip all the way through to know exactly where you're jumping in and jumping off points are. Um, yeah. But even 15 seconds is an eternity on Instagram. And that's I don't I don't watch things more than 15 seconds on Instagram often. And the yeah. hardest thing is understanding that like I I want I want to capture more of the content. I want to capture that context that you're talking about because that is very important. But when you're yeah. just trying to get a few views and get somebody interested in the full conversation, you really need to be concise. And I almost wish they would allow me to go even shorter than 15 seconds and do like three seconds, four seconds, five seconds, and just get yeah. something that, yeah, maybe stirs the chili a little bit, but would get people interested in the full conversation. You, you, could, you, could do the, you could do the three seconds by just when you upload the reel onto to instagram you just sh shorten down the the video length right that's a really good idea <laughs> that's a really great idea i'm gonna implement that but, mate, all, all, all of this stuff is time consuming like the whole thing is like this is time consuming like you're working as well as the podcasting i'm working as well as the podcasting and then finding time to like cut reels down decide like like that must save you a lot of time, the time stamping stuff, because I don't do that. And I have to re-listen to every podcast. I'm terrible at multitasking. So if I, if I mark down a time when I'm speaking to you, then I've already forgotten what we're talking about. Uh, so, um, good like, point. you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do as much listening, but you know, I mean, you're on episode, what, like 350 or something. Yeah. We're almost about 400. I can out. So like, that's, you know, I'm, I'm 10%, I'm 10% of what you're at at the moment in terms of like experience. So that will be the next thing for me is to get, I don't know, an app that I can just, that has a running uh, counter and I can just tap it. Yeah. You know, I tap it and it, and then it timestamps, it timestamps. It's a good idea. Mm. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's the other, the other time consuming thing. And you, you guys do it as well is, you know, cutting then a YouTube video, yeah. like, you know, down to, to adequate size and then like titling it. And then like, I used to do all the thumbnails and now I'm getting more and more basic with my thumbnails. But, you know, all of this stuff is like a thumbnail might take you like half an hour or an hour. And then, you know, all of the stuff like just mounts up and mounts up and you go, hang on, I'm getting stuck in the minutiae here. Like the main goal is get out good conversations. Yep. Like that's it. Like so easy to get bogged down with some of that other stuff. And you're right. Like making an Instagram post or telling yourself you're going to do content every day. Simple. That no problem. You'll have no problem with that yeah. until you realize like how to make it look good, how you're going to edit it. You've got to learn all that stuff. It might take you, yeah. like you said, an hour to do a five second reel on Instagram that maybe nobody watches. Somebody yeah. in our space recently lamented that like, I, I, I make, I take so much time to present the science and like all <laughs> these really great things about information. But like the most viewed thing I ever have was like a double, double from in and out burger or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I think, I think, I think the take, takeaway i get from social media is like at the start quantity beats quality yeah like at the, certainly at the start i think once you get to the higher levels and you get you're getting like a thousand likes a post or something and that's when you really turn on the quality yeah but i think at the start it's like just get volume out there increase your surface area a guy called justin welsh who talks about growing personal brands he always talks about increasing your increasing your coverage or increasing your your chances for luck so like increasing your chances for luck is like increasing your chances of virality of a post, like just get stuff out there, yeah. get a post a day, get two posts a day, like, and just get it out. Like with your general message, try and say the same thing 
in 40 different ways. Mm. Like it's like meat is good for us. Anti-meat is wrong. Like build up all these different ways of saying the same thing. And it's so simple for you to, to think because you're thinking the same thing. You're not reinventing the wheel every time, but you're, yeah. you're just creating little different ways of saying it. Yeah, no, I love that. I also really appreciate when people have a, a specific type of way they put out content it's, that looks really consistent. So like Vinny Tortorich, the way he's always like walking with his phone and he always ends his little post mm. in a certain way. I like that. Coach Bronson, yeah. uh, Bronson Dant, who does different things where he's, it looks like he's talking to his CrossFit class. It's obviously feigned, but it looks like he's talking to a group of people. And it, it's it's cool. It's engaging. Wow. It looks really good. And they yeah. stay consistent with that. And I recognize it. And I, I don't know. It, it's a cool look. And so I think finding your style Style, keeping consistent with your style and then just just putting it out there i think you're right is mm. is awesome um yeah i do want to talk consistency consistency talking about your guests we've already talked about this a little bit but but you do an interview style podcast so you're finding other people so take us through mm. how do you find your people how much vetting out are mm. you doing how do you reach out to them and how much mm. preparation are you doing for your conversations so it, it, it depends really at um Sometimes I, I will ask my guests at the end of an interview if they can recommend anyone, if they can say, hey, look, I really recommend you talk to this guy. Like this guy's got some great ideas. This guy was really influential on me. And again, that could crop up in the podcast. So I'll make notes of those people. And then um, some like there's lots of different avenues I use. I also see who likes my reels online. And if anyone of prominence comes on there, I'll definitely reach out to them because that's an easy in. Like with a lot of these people, like it's it's you want the easiest in you can get so that it becomes a, a yes as quickly as possible. It's like any sales. Um, and then other podcasts, I'll listen to your podcast, I'll listen to the Meat Mafia podcast, I'll listen to different podcasts and see who they have on as guests. Because ultimately, like if there's people on a podcast as a guest, that is highly likely that they're either they want to come and talk to you or they they'll be, you know, that they're happy to talk about their niche. And then, um, so, you know, and, and for example, you know, Brian Sanders with food lies, I went onto his the website and I had a look at who were all the people that were featured in food lies. And then, so there were 24 or 25 different people featured in there as experts and guests. And I just reached out to every one of or those who I could find. I reached out to on Instagram, generally Instagram. If not, then I'll go on their website and they'll probably have a direct media contact email, which generally, if you're contacting a media email, it generally hasn't been very successful for me. It needs to be a direct contact. Yeah, it's just tough. There's someone there vetting it. They'll see it's a small podcast. They'll ask you how many listeners you have, how many downloads, like how long, who are you? What's the, and that just becomes at that point too much work to continue to fulfill. So you say, well, I'll come back to this later. Um, and then. So Instagram and email are the main outreach methods. And then in terms of what were the other ones, the other questions were how much time I spend. I was just thinking, I'm, I just asked like four questions to somebody who said they can only really focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. What an yeah, idiot. I've forgotten. My favorite ice cream is vanilla. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, that was a question. So uh, I, I guess like like you talked about, you know, how you're finding your people. You're really savage mm. about the way you find your people. It's the same for us. Like yeah. I, I, I listen to your podcast. I hear people and I re- I've reached out to them. And I also yeah. think it's really important if you are reaching out to, to mention something specific. 
will you be on my podcast yeah. sounds a lot different than, hey, I listened to you on Chatting Fit. You did such a great yeah. job. I love the point you made about this. Would you like to be on our yeah. show? That sounds a lot different exactly. than just be on yeah. my podcast or whatever. Well, yeah, and and because you, they will get lots of people. The higher their profile gets, the more people that will reach out to them to say, will you be on my podcast? And you know, they won't necessarily want to be on there if they don't think that you've taken the time to understand them and their message a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and that just comes across with the smallest of points. You know, I heard you on Chris Bell's podcast. I heard you on, you know, Boundless Body Radio. Like like you say, it's just super simple. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to do it. I love how Mm -hmm. you are using different avenues to reach out and approaching those two things differently. I think that's great. So then it's like, what kind of research before your Mm -hmm. interview are you doing on these people or the topic that you'd like to talk about specifically? Is it stuff you already feel like you know about or you know their content quite a bit or are you learning more specifically about that person before? So it depends on the person. It depends how long I've got because I've had podcasts with particular case in point, a guy called Matt Wenning, wenningstrength.com. He's like a super well-known strength coach. Like, and, um, I reached out to him and within an hour, he got back to me and said, I'm free in three hours. So it was like reach, reach out and then podcast that day. So I had really very little time to prepare on that. I, 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 I sort of, I had about an hour of prep on that and I binged a few of his YouTube videos. I binged some of his podcast stuff and I thought, you know, you just got to work with what you do. But then some of the people that I might have three months to prepare for who were super booked out, then I will put, I will slowly listen to their podcasts over time, like where they've appeared on different podcasts. And I will, if they have any books out, I'll read some of the book reviews and maybe I'll listen to an audio book, but generally no, I think I can, I, I want to still have that air of curiosity. I don't want to be trying to say to them what I want to hear. So, I, I mean, overall, if it's an hour by hour basis, I'd probably put around two to three hours of prep mm. before I before I do a, an interview. That could vary. That could be an hour and a half if, if they're already in my wheelhouse. And I think I know more or less. But if it's super something, super something, out there, I, like I said, I could have prepared more for Dr. Robert Kilk's number thirty, the thirty first episode I had because some of his ideas are out there, and I wish I had known how out there some of his ideas were, and so I'd been a bit more prepared for it. So um, rather than thinking, oh yeah, you know, carnivore doctor, I know exactly what he's going to say, you know. So it was, um, you know, but but for someone who I, who I wouldn't know as much about, you know, like Dr. Bill Schindler then I wanted to understand much more about his angle and anthropology and like evolution as opposed to just nutrition. So that was, I prepared a little bit more for that one. Um, So, you know, it it, it varies, it varies wildly, but I definitely want to prepare, you know, listen and read a bit, like listening to their, listening to their podcasts and watching if they have any YouTube videos, I'm a visual learner. So YouTube videos are a real goldmine. Okay. Awesome. Well, I see advantages and disadvantages to both. And so the way I'll kind of approach it is if I know the person I want to, I want to hear a lot of their content. And I also want to hear what I don't want to talk about. Like, I don't want to talk about the same thing that every other podcast that has hosted this person. I don't want to necessarily go there since that's been done. So I want to understand that. But also like, here's, here's a good example. Like, do you know anything about Cogno movement? No. Okay. I didn't either. And yesterday I had an interview where I interviewed somebody who's an expert in cogno movement. And what is cogno movement? So it's it's a it's a way to to emotionally heal. And basically, according to this expert, it connects your right brain and left brain in a similar way that psychedelics do. You just don't go on a trip. But it it involves a ball that has chakra 
connections on it. And it was, it's very interesting. I don't know that yeah. I'll ever do a cognitive movement therapy session in my life, but I, it was interesting to learn about it. It sure helped this lady and a lot of people she works with. So in, in that instance, I actually want to go along the journey with the listener mm. of being curious. So I purposely didn't really look much into it so that I could ask genuine and honest questions. Like what the hell is cognitive therapy? How does yeah. it work? What is a session look like? Like, is it an hour? Is it two hours? Do we play soccer with the ball? Like what, you know, what, what yeah. does it actually look yeah. like? And so that's a good point. Me, yeah. And that allows me to be, um, you know, curious yeah. along with a listener. So I see pros and cons of both, but either way. I, I, so, so did you know, did you know that you were going to talk about Cogno movement before, or was it like, Oh, I also am a specialist in Cogno movement. Like, y- yes. I knew that she was a specialist in it. I knew I, like I watched, a few videos and I knew something about it. Like I didn't go into it fully, you know, ignorant of it. And I understood that it was for, you know, emotional and physical healing in certain ways and benefited certain people. And it was also a very interesting person because she had, we'd been communicating back and forth for the last few months. And she is somebody who was very much plant-based and actually because we had been messaging, she's been working more red meat into her diet and is like, I got to say, like, this is really helping me out a lot. I've had a few days where I just did the carnivore diet for a few days and I felt really good. And now I'm like craving red meat again where I never was. And so that's a cool connection. We did a podcast trade like you and I did. And so, yeah, yeah, like I I understood the topic, but not not any level of detail. And so, yeah, again, I see pros and cons. But again, either way, I think as the host, it's it's important for you to stay engaged with your guests and ask good questions. Definitely, definitely. And that's, that's a real skill. That's a developmental skill. And I think, again, that's like, you can get caught up at the start and I'll listen back to like my first few episodes and I'm like, what, what kind of a question is that? <laughs> like, so, so, so it's, it's like freeing up mental capacity. It's like when you first start a new sport, the capacity is just understanding like, hang on, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is this guy running over here? Why is that happening? Like, am I offside? Yeah. Like, can I throw the ball forward? Like, all of that stuff. Once you get past like, oh, is my microphone plugged in? Like these lights are in my eyes. Like is my camera working? All of that stuff. That's when you can genuinely be curious. Yes. And I, again, that's only just happening for me now. Like everything is kind of falling away. Like I know how to set up my kit. I don't feel intimidated by a big name, but I just want to pander to them. And it's like, okay, now I can actually sit and think like I can listen. Yep. I can genuinely listen sometimes more than more than others. Sometimes I'm still thinking like, shit, what am I going to ask? Because that destroys an interview It's when you're thinking, what am I going to ask rather than listening? And um, it's a real skill, man. It's a real skill. Sometimes I just get blown away by what some people say. And I'm like, fuck, what am I going to ask? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) It is a skill. And the cool thing about podcasting is those skills carry over in day-to-day conversation with your friends and your family and your clients. Like you get better at like understanding your clients don't give two shits about what you did over the weekend. They want to talk about them and their kids and all that other stuff. And asking interesting questions to unlock some of that stuff is really important. I think you learn that with podcasting. And, And how many episodes do you think it took you to feel really comfortable? That's a great question. Um, Ooh, I, you know, it's, I, somebody asked me once when, after I moved to Brazil, how long it took to learn, uh, Portuguese, the language. And the best thing I could say is like, you, you can get around after, you know, five, six months of living there. You, you can speak Mm -hmm. the language, but then there's also like, 
you you could stop your learning there and be able to order your rice and beans and and get around to different towns or you can keep refining and keep learning mm-hmm. and, and and learn better ways to conjugate or better ways to say something working on your accent and so it's it's almost like that like maybe it was like you know i i, I scored a lot of really good guests around like the 40th 50th 60th kind of rounds and mm-hmm. i was you know those these are the people i followed for my entire career and really respected and finally got them on my show and, you know, even Nina Teichel's, I, I started crying in the introduction of Nina Teichel's who wrote the big fat surprise. Like I got choked up, man. And, uh, Serious fanboy. Yeah, total fanboy. My wife was sitting right here too. So she was just like, calm down, buddy. Um, but, but yeah, like when you, when you approach it, the way you started this conversation saying this is an evolution, there, there's no end to the growing. There's no mm-hmm. end to the perfecting the way you say things and ask questions and and so yeah, it, it's a good question. I, I again, I would probably say it was probably about fifty to sixty before I was like, okay, I got this. But yeah. you you try to never stop learning and growing. How, yeah, exactly. Do and, you agree? And I, I yeah, totally agree. I think um, once you feel like you've got it, I think the thrill, the, half the thrill for me is that I'm improving on it. Like so listening back to my, because once you get over it, it's sounding like a chalkboard on your chalkboard. Like then you can listen back to your stuff and like. I feel like one of my, the best and deepest and best information I got was with uh, Dr. Peter Ballasted. And like, great episode, great episode, dense, dense information about like, you know, what's actually the issue with climate and agriculture and all of this stuff. And that was when I felt like I have a bit of a background in agriculture, so I can ask some of the questions there. But that was when I started feeling like, rather than just feeling like, oh, plateau, 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 you feel like, oh, I've just jumped up a small level. And then it's like plateau, 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 and then like up at small level. Like, so I, I, that's what thrills me is the improvement of it. And then, you know, everything in between, like growing listener numbers and like more traction and all of that, that's great. But like when I feel like, because, you know, again, I don't want to ramble, but I feel like this, it may be that I'll start another, po- like you've just like you've done and just like the podcast we're talking on, like may start another podcast that then has a, a higher base start because there'll be lots of people who go back and listen to episode one of mine and be like, oh God, this is awful. Like, what am I listening to? <laughs> and they'll be turned off like the rest of the podcast. So like if I have another podcast that I don't know, it maybe is more niche around like meat or just around like strength training, then people can come back and listen to the first episode of that. And that will be a higher retention rate for listeners. So like, I've got to look at it like that on a long-term basis rather than like a quick hit to to get anywhere really nothing is quick if you've got to work you know put your time and energy into it yeah yeah and you guys covered you covered things in different way i've heard a lot of interviews with him i've interviewed him he's amazing but you guys mm-hmm. unlocked things and made me think about things very differently than i had before that was one of my favorite mm-hmm. episodes that you have ever done so i definitely recommend the listener Thanks, go back man. and listen to probably episode 30 peter ballastad i think it's i think it's 29 Okay. I think it's 29. Yeah, I'd have to great. check it out. It was great. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, it was great. Finley McLaren, I am going to put you on the spot here. So in this oh, season, no. what we've been trying to do is go down a list of different topics and ask different podcasters similar questions so we could get just different mm. answers and different approaches. We are basically out of time. We've gone through about half of the <laughs> things I wanted to talk to you about. I've had an amazing time having this conversation with you. Do you think we could bring you back for a part two? 
Fuck yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm in. Ah, I'm in. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Dude, this has been a great conversation. I love hearing the way you approach things. And I think this is going to be very valuable for somebody out there who is thinking about podcasting, especially if they're feeling really intimidated by the process to get started. So I appreciate that. I appreciate 100%. your viewpoint. Tell the listener where they can go to find your podcast and where they can connect mm-hmm. with you. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm most active, which is at chatting fit underscore between the chatting and the fit. And then YouTube, we're at chatting fit, all one word, no, no underscore. And then if you just type in on any of the podcasting apps, chatting fit, and then it'll come up F I T. Beautiful. So yeah, that's where you find me. That's great. We'll link that in the notes and thank you so much for having this conversation. I look forward to talking to you again. Casey, thank you so much for having me on. Pleasure as always. Such an honor. Thanks again for listening to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. And check out Boundless Body Radio, our primary podcast, where we host world-renowned experts that provide tons of helpful content around health and wellness.